welcome. I'm Connor Beaton, and this is the Man Talk Show. This podcast brings together some of the best thought leaders, teachers, and extraordinary individuals to help teach and mentor you on how to be a top performer in life, love, and business. And joining me today is Mr. Todd Youngblood, and he's the co-founder and CEO of Cryo Inc. He leverages his experience as a proven entrepreneur to change the way the world sleeps. Todd, with the help of his lifetime business partner, Tara, has created, acquired, and successfully executed multiple businesses in the past 18 years. His long-term venture is to shape the future of sleep-driven health with sleep temperature optimizing technology. So um, you may have heard of his company before because they are the creators of ChiliPad and the recently uh, released product called Uller. Now, the reason why I wanted to have Todd on the show is because uh, recently Vienna and I, my wife, we we went out and we you know bought a whole new bed and uh, it was time to upgrade. And, you know, one of the things that I had been researching was was actually sleep optimization and sort of biohack, quote unquote biohacking, even though I sort of dislike that word, uh, but biohacking uh, the bedroom and, and, and how we can actually have a better sleep. And one of the things that I'd come across in my research was the importance of having the right temperature. Now, if you're anything like me, I am a very hot sleeper. And I am, I have just been notorious and nefarious in the last however many years, however many decades um, for, you know, the nights that I can't fall asleep, it's almost always because I'm too hot. So after doing a little bit of research, I came across and had heard about uh, the chili pad through a whole bunch of different platforms and, and did some research on it. And uh, I thought I would try it out. And so we, we end up getting the, the Uller uh, for our new bed and I kid you not, it changed the way that we sleep uh, for both Vienna and I, and I have recommended it to so many people. And so, you know, I, I had to have Todd on the show. I had to talk about this um, because obviously I, you know, I, I'm not a sleep expert. And so in this episode, Todd and I really chat about not not just his, you know, the, the, the chili pad and not just some of the stuff that they've created, but we talk about how you can optimize sleep and some of the important pieces um, that, that go into it, temperature, uh, eating before bed, and just a whole bunch of different pieces in and around what allows us to have really great uh, deep sleeps. And not only why that's so important, because I think most of us know why that's that's important, um, but but how we can start to impact and if and really effectively optimize the way that we sleep. Um, and I, again, I can't speak highly enough about this. You know about this. It really has changed the way that we sleep. Um, I fall asleep faster, and uh, I, it's easier for me to get out of bed in the morning, and I wake up less at night. Um, this really is something that you know. Obviously, you can hear me advocating for because uh, you know I think sleep is one of those things that we often don't invest in. And over the last little while, Vienna and I have made a conscious effort to invest into our sleep by getting a new mattress and doing a ton of of research around that area. And we have noticed a marked difference. And I talk about some of those differences uh, in uh, in the interview. So. Uh, something for you to check out. Also, Todd was, you know, kind enough if you're if you're interested in looking at picking up, uh, you know, either the Chili Pad or the Uller, you can use the promo code Mantox up until the end of the year, uh, and that will get you special pricing. 
and it's something that I wanted to be able to offer the community in case you're interested, because I actually really do believe in this product and have invested in it myself. So uh, anyway, without any further delay, please enjoy this conversation on sleep uh, and, and how you can better optimize your sleep. And please welcome uh, Mr. Todd Youngblood. Thanks, Connor. Appreciate the opportunity to uh, join you today. Yeah, it's really, you know, what's really incredible is I have seen uh, you, I've seen your company uh, a little bit of everywhere in the last year or two. And so it's really been, uh, it feels like a, a pleasure to be able to dig into this content with you and talk about sleep and, uh, you know, talk about everything that surrounds that. But before we dive into that, I have to ask you the question that I ask all my guests, which is tell us a story about a defining moment in your life that made you who you are today. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate it. We're, we're uh, I would say the defining moment, and, and there's been many through my life, but it really has to do what's my, the current day me and our current kind of entrepreneurial adventure. Um, it was really recast in mid uh, 2013, when at the time we were running multiple businesses and we were selling products to Walmart, among other national retailers. And we had a situation where Walmart basically canceled a million and a half dollars of product that was ready to ship at fairly low margin. And that scenario was essentially going to put us in a functional bankruptcy. Um, so, you know, pretty, pretty jaw dropping. We figured out how to handle it, manage it with our bank. And sure enough, about 60 days later, we got served up with um, some patent litigation. That was a kind of a frivolous, you know, patent troll kind of situation. Um, which we had to devote some significant resources to addressing. And then sure enough, 30, another 30 days go by and we get hit with an IRS audit for um, basically nothing in particular, just they drew a number. And then 30 days later, we get a product liability issue presented to us on an unrelated product. So we kind of had these four monstrous issues that any which one of them could have totally crushed us. And we just had to figure out a way to put one foot in front of the other and keep keep uh, beating down the beating down the whack-a-mole until we could see the light of day again. And sure enough, we were able to kind of essentially resolve everyone. You know, we got Walmart to take the goods about six months later. We got the IRS audit cleared up with no changes. We got the, the frivolous kind of patent lawsuit to go away, although it cost us like half a million bucks of legal legal bills. And and in the product liability issue, it became basically a non-issue. It just took us about nine months to resolve all those random things. But the, the moral of the story essentially was any one of those things that could have killed us, we just needed to continue to put one foot in front of the other, get to the office every day, communicate with integrity and transparency to the greatest of our ability, and it's going to work out. And just knowing that that period of time was so incredibly intense and uh, so emotional, but um, we kind of kept our wits about us and worked through it. And that, that really, now when we face adversity and challenges in our business, which is a hundred percent chance it's going to happen as an entrepreneur, we're able to keep it uh, balanced with, is this something that's going to kill us? Or is this just a difficult issue we need to work through? Mm, I love that, man. I, I mean, it's, you know, it's like a, it's like the entrepreneur's worst nightmare, you know, just like the, the entrepreneurial shitstorm that can happen sometimes where, you know, like the saying goes, when it rains, it pours, and you you sort of have multiple issues from different parts of the business coming at you all at once. And you know, so I appreciate the insight from from that. I'm I'm curious, 
you know, for for the listeners that are that are out there that are you know taking this in, what got you into this in the first place? Like, and and did you create the the concept, or is it something that you acquired? Like, where did the concept come from? And and I guess first to sort of uh, prerequisite, I gave them a little bit of insight into what we're talking about here today uh, on the show, but I would love for you to maybe just describe the technology a little bit and then how it came about. Yeah, well, the the long, crazy answer is my uncle invented the waterbed 50 years ago. No way. Yeah, he did. The original (laughs) waterbed, his name's on a patent. It was part of his uh, thesis project in design school in San Francisco. Uh, Yeah, the original waterbed. Kind of a crazy story. That's that's wild. My my girlfriend in high school had a waterbed. I think my parents had a waterbed at one point, and it was just like I remember being a kid and just being in awe by the by the concept of it. So that's that's pretty interesting. Yeah, and, and anyone that's ever slept on a waterbed when the heater went out, or for some reason you didn't have a heater and you thought you could buy without one, well, you can't. <laughs> you you literally can't sleep on a waterbed without a heater because it just sucks all the heat right out of you. Yeah. So, so fast forward to around 2004 and I was, uh, mid thirties, I was just sleeping or early thirties, sleeping ferociously hot. Um, so basically became a product developed at a personal need. And, um, you know, we were kind of in the mattress industry around it and, uh, man, you can change just about anything on a mattress, whether you sleep on inner springs or foam you can change the elevation, you can sleep, you know, you can do anything in your mattress except modify the temperature. And that just seems so crazy to me. You know, there's no other part in our 24-hour life except our bed that we can't change the temperature. We uh, we got to work doing doing product development from the ground up and uh, got ourselves a product. We were ready to take to market in 2000, 2007. Incredible, incredible. And, and maybe like, let's just, uh, you know, now that we've sort of touched on a little bit about what the product is, let's be sort of back up the train here and talk a little bit about sleep, because that's what we're really, you know, that's what this episode was really all about. And what I wanted to chat with you about. And, you know, I think people have seen a lot of uh, the the intersection between technology and how we sleep starting to interplay, you know, tracking uh, your sleep and a lot of sleep data and uh, sort of creating the environment for sleep to be possible. Um, but why do you feel like this is so important? Like, let's just talk about the basics of how important sleep is and what gets in the way. Because I think I, I think that maybe not a lot of people uh, have gone into that, but it sounds like a lot of people struggle with sleep. So let's just start there. Yeah, you know, sleep is just, it's now recently being talked about much more, as you indicated, but it's really a cornerstone of health. I mean, if you... If you don't sleep well, sleep lack of sleep or lack of quality sleep is literally linked to almost every major chronic disease. So like it, it and yet it's out there and the research is out there and it's it's irrefutable, but it's it's remarkably not talked about in how incredibly important it is to your health. And and so many people, we know we all make lifestyle choices and, and generally deprioritize sleep. And that's, that's a blanket statement. Not everyone does that, but society at large certainly does. And yet, you know, think about the last time you had an amazing sleep and it sounds like you've had some pretty good sleep recently, but you just feel like you can crush it. I'm like, man, there is nothing that's going to take me down today. I feel amazing. And after that great night's sleep, like you just feel, feel fantastic. So when you look at the connection to chronic disease, we've really got to start really prioritizing sleep more. And we find it really fascinating as a, as a business or looking at it, the industry, 
there's really great, so many great tracking tools now, some that are free, some that are expensive, some tools that are very, very expensive. But once we know the quality of sleep we're getting and we can track it and quantify it, you know, we can improve it. And, and so you can start looking at those little differences of, hey, what happens when I drink alcohol at night? What happens when I, you know, have a really late meal? What happens to the difference if you exercise or not? Uh, or when during the day you exercise. So now that we can track it, you know, there's, we have, we just need more information or better information on how to improve it. And that's, that's the main thing that we're working on now as a company. Yeah. And, you know, I think on that note, can you maybe just speak a little bit to uh, what inhibits, what sort of gets in the way of our ability to have a really good night's sleep? Like, I think there's the obvious things like anxiety and ruminating thoughts, but what are some of the other components that, ge- you know, generally people struggle with when it comes to getting a good night's sleep? You know, so when you look at, at sleep, there's a couple of kind of major categories of sort of poor quality sleep. And there's there's generally just not enough sleep. And, you know, that's one. But where deep sleep, um, most of your deep sleep happens in the first the first half of your night. Really, it's the early stages of the night. And that's where you get most of your deep sleep. So if you've got a very erratic bedtime or, or you go to bed super late, much later than your body would naturally want to go to bed, you're, you're basically sacrificing the deep sleep. And that's when you're filing memories. That's when you're generating growth hormone. Um, there's a lot of magical things that happen during that those deep stages of sleep. So, you know, that's one thing that we sort of, you know, we, we do to hurt ourselves. Um, consuming alcohol is one of the things that really affects me, um, that I can notice a difference on my HRV and my deep sleep based on even just like two drinks. Um, so that's one thing if I know, you know, I still enjoy it. I like to going out and there's a lot of social activities that, you know, I still participate in that, that I, I, I consume alcohol, but I also am much more aware now that, hey, after two or three nights, like I am, I need to take a few nights off and make sure my body's getting all the rest it needs and really getting that deep sleep. The other things that, that affect people you know, are often talked about, whether it's caffeine late at night, um, blue, blue light affects a lot of people. One thing that affects a lot of people that's rarely talked about is the always on Wi-Fi. Um, that's going to be a, even a bigger issue when 5G rolls out across the country, across the across the world. Um, you know, our bodies were not set to have constant EMFs, electromagnetic fields kind of thrown at us. And we're not really taking the time to have some dead zones. And that's something that's going to be a much bigger issue, I think, in the next 10 years as a lot of the research that's being done right now becomes much more mainstream. Yeah, it's interesting. I have heard a, a couple of people really starting to talk about the ramifications of things like the 5G network, you know, especially rolling out. I'm I'm sitting in New York City in an apartment building right now. And as you were saying that, I was like, oh, man, I, I don't think I have an escape from the EMF <laughs> from, you know, Wi-Fi networks here uh, outside of getting out of the city and, and whatnot. So I think that's a that's a pretty important piece. Uh, what about things like uh, you know diet and late night eating? I know for myself, if I eat meat later on in the night, you know, if I have like a late meal and and I eat meat, I'll usually run. I'll find myself running really hot late at night. Um, but also, if I just eat late at night or or you know not too not too long before bed, I also know that that usually impacts my sleep. Is that a universal thing or is that just often for most people and, and how does that start to impact our, our body and our sleep? Yeah, that, that is a, it's a very common issue. Now, we, I think we, we generally try to like 
uh, hold back from saying that's a universal problem. You know, for example, blue light or caffeine. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm not quite a night owl, but I'm just a, a short of a night owl. And so for me, I've got low caffeine receptors. That doesn't bother me. Um, blue light doesn't really affect me. I can work on my laptop till as late as I'm, till I'm done, close the screen and, you know, be asleep in four minutes later. Um, but, but late meals are something that affect, do affect most people and affect some people very significantly because you're basically, you're, you're spending your, your energy metabolizing what you're, what you've eaten instead of your body fully relaxing and being able to put, um, drop that resting heart rate and do some of the other things that, that are necessary to, to get your deepest sleep. So you're going to wake up feeling probably more groggy and a little less mentally alert because you're missing that, that deep sleep. It's going to affect that deep sleep, the first part of that sleep that's so important for those things I mentioned earlier. Awesome. And, and in terms of, uh, you know, there's, there's obviously things out there like sleep apnea and, and whatnot, and things that are like really impact people's ability to have a quality sleep. I'm curious to get your perspective on the intersection between quality and quantity, because when it comes to sleep from a lot of the, you know, research that I've read and the conversations that I've heard around sleep, that seems to be like the debate that's going on is like, do you go for more quality sleep or is it about the quantity of sleep that you get? And so I'm curious to get you to weigh in on this. Yeah. You know, I mean, our philosophy is there's garbage sleep, just like there's garbage, everything else. So um, it's, it's definitely not solely about quantity. And I think, I think it's a fairly um, probably easy answer to give in, in that respect. Some people are, are good nappers. For example, I, I love taking a, if I can take an eight hour power nap in the middle of the day, like, oh my gosh, I'm totally mentally reset. I feel much more alert. I've got that kind of, um, I don't have that afternoon kind of drag, um, but that doesn't work for some people. Some people just, you know, they, they don't, they, they have different sleep drive. So I need about seven hours of sleep consistently. And then I try to catch up on the weekends. Um, but that's if I get that during the week and then probably two to three days where I get a power nap of about eight minutes, man, that's that's that keeps me like sleep balanced. Um, some people need a lot more sleep. Mostly it's, it's people that say, for example, maybe they don't fall asleep quickly. So they've got spend more time in light sleep or a lot more time in their sleep latency uh, is far greater. Uh, I'm usually asleep in, in less than seven minutes. Um, for a lot of people, you know, it might take 90 minutes to fall asleep or, or 45 to 60 minutes to fall asleep. You know, obviously, we spent a lot of time researching temperature. And as there's been a lot of research, um, like Sapir, that has done um, pr- recently published an article about the sleep switch. And it's, it's completely um, activated by temperature. So temperature connects directly to hypothalamus. And that, that drop in body temperature is what induces sleep. So if you're an insomniac and you're literally laying there awake, your body is not dropping in temperature. You're mentally active, like you talked about, digesting. Maybe your body's physically active, digesting a late meal. For whatever reason, you're, you're continue, your body continues to stay stimulated and at elevated or at your normal temperature. But if you were to look at a, a graph, a circadian rhythm of how your temperature changes throughout the 24-hour day, your body needs to stop, start dropping in temperature in order for you to fall asleep. And that's a different, slightly different timing depending on uh, your chronotype. And so knowing when you should be headed to sleep makes a pretty big difference on getting, getting the right amount of sleep and going to bed at the right time. And can you say that you've, you've brought this up a few times, which I think is interesting. You've talked about the, 
like knowing when to go to bed and like when our bodies uh, are, are sort of naturally wanting to go to bed, how do we start to figure that out? Like if there are people that are, because I, I think I know a lot of people that have heard some of the research on this, you know, having a variability, uh, too big of a variability within when you go to bed and when you wake up can actually lead to a larger susceptibility to things like depression and anxiety. It's actually one of the biggest con contributors to depression um, is, you know, going to bed at different, you know, wildly different times and then waking up at different times. So I'm curious, can you just elaborate a little bit more on that? Like, how do we start to find when we should be going to bed? Is it just a an innate thing? Do you have to try a bunch of stuff out? Like, what what would you recommend for people? Yeah, so we're we're actually investing a tremendous amount of of money and time um, developing kind of a, a platform or a system. In fact, my business partner is writing a book right now um, on reprogramming your sleep to address exactly kind of the things that you're talking about. Um, so that'll be coming out in March, and the, the our app will be coming out by May first. Just because it's such a difficult problem, and, and I'd love to answer it sort of like in, in kind of at a high level. But when you look at your sleep, there's there are various things you you can significantly impact to like reprogram your sleep, and some of those might be understanding your sleep drive and making sure that you're not doing things that are damaging it. So if you ever you ever been to a spot, or I don't know whether traveling internationally or um, maybe just jet lag domestically, where you just feel really tired, but then like maybe 30 minutes or 60 minutes later, you kind of push through it. That's essentially rebalancing your sleep drive where you've got this, this feeling of being tired. You kind of ignore it, you push through it, and then you basically get through it and you're no longer sleepy. Well, you've pushed through that sleep drive, the drive that's in indicating that it's time to go to sleep. Now your body doesn't really want to go to sleep, at least for its next, next 90 minute cycle. Um, so you're like if we're we need to spend time probably doing box press or being me um, being more thoughtful, maybe some meditation uh, to really be more self aware of what our body's telling us and start to listen to that. So your question about people with very erratic bedtimes, how do they even know when their right bedtime is? Is if you listen to that sleep drive and you try really hard not to push through it, and if your sleep is really screwed up, what you probably need to do is actually delay your sleep and let that sleep drive build back up. So maybe, for example, you might, you go to bed somewhere between 10 o'clock at night and two o'clock in the morning, and your your system is very erratic. Maybe you need to ha go to bed at two o'clock in the morning, and then the next night you go to bed at 1.30, and the next night you go to bed at you know midnight. And so you're, you're like maybe super tired for three or four days, but your body is slowly resetting to maybe a more natural, more consistent bedtime. Mm, I, I like that. And you mentioned the the sleep drive. What are some of the indicators that people can look for? Because I think, you know, initially, I, I can think of a time in my life where I was so disconnected from my body and, and sort of disconnected from the signs that I should go to bed. And, and you know, I think it's not always obvious for, for some of us. And so what are some of the, not the symptoms, but what are some of the signs um, that we are entering into that space? So I, part of it has to do with like understanding the variables in your life. You know, I, I imagine there's probably a fair number of your listeners that are entrepreneurs or have a, a flexible schedule that come with their kind of lifestyle. Um, you know, so understanding where your flexibility is for most people, they've got greater elasticity in the evening. They can choose when they go to bed, but oftentimes people can't really choose when they wake up. But you, you can balance someone that is not, doesn't have a very strong chronotype that can spend time 
going to bed later and waking up later, and then going to bed a little bit earlier and waking up earlier, that person's got a lot more elasticity in their sleep schedule than someone that maybe they're chronically tired and they can never change when they wake up. They just they just go to bed at different times. They have the indicators they need to look for is that mid that midday grogginess. Well, that's clearly an indication that they're not getting enough sleep. They they could try napping if they can't try changing their you know their go to bedtime or their wake time. You know, understanding the little secrets and tips that work for each individual person. It's such an individual thing. There's not like a one size fits all. Other indicators, you know, obviously like dozing off on car rides, dozing off like in short periods where you're not really tired enough to go to bed asleep, but you're finding yourself not being able to pay attention to conversations, um, you know, and, and understanding when during the day that happens is it is an indication about the types of solutions that will be appropriate for that individual. Awesome. And can you elaborate a little bit more? You've mentioned, uh, you know, you brought up the the terminology of the chronotype before. Um, not, you know, it, I'm assuming that links back to chronobiology. And I, I'm curious if you can just elaborate a little bit on some of that, just so that the listener, you know, if they're not familiar with that term and the concept that they can kind of go and do some research on that. Yeah, there's there's been uh, some, uh, actually, um, Dr. Bruce, Dr. Michael Bruce, a friend of mine, um, also a big advocate of, of temperature regulation throughout the night. Um, he spent a lot of time um, talking about chronotypes in his book. And that's basically, it's, it's an indicator that um, you're basically, it's predetermined, right? So you, you're not really changing it. It's, it's almost like, you know, you're not really changing your genetics. Your chronotype is kind of precast. You can have some influence over it, some people more than others. But it's just, if you're a morning person, like you're just a morning person. Some people can overcome it over time. A lot of people that have, that have served in the military, um, their, their military service, their kind of military reprogramming, uh, essentially reset their, their chronotype through, you know, waking up at crazy hours, like three, four o'clock in the morning to do what they do for an, a long enough period of time that they essentially reset their chronotype. But by and large, the chronotype is, is something of, you're, you know, inherently, I'm a morning person, I'm most productive then, uh, I always like getting up early, that's just something part of my identity. Or like you're a late night person, hey, I like to socialize late in the evening, um, that's if I had to pick when, you know, where I have my most fun or where I want to do, spend more of my time, um, that has to do with, are you an early bird, uh, early riser? Are you less early? You're early, but not at the earliest. And you're a basically, you can go anywhere in between. Um, and on the far side is a night owl. Uh, that's someone that like goes to bed, like a, think a, a DJ in Vegas, right? You know, they're getting off stage at four o'clock in the morning. Those people are, are probably more prone to be true night owls where they're literally up all night and go to bed in the early hours of the morning. Um, I'm someone that's kind of a less less night owl, but definitely not an early bird kind of, kind of person. Awesome. Yeah. And I think, um, uh, Dr. Bruce, it's B R E U S just for everyone that's out there listening. And, um, he's got a book called the power of when that kind of talks about some of this. And I think you can do, I think you can do a quiz online if I'm not mistaken, uh, where you can kind of get your, your type to, to get a better sense of that routine for yourself. Um, Awesome, man. So, so maybe give us some context. I know you mentioned temperature, and you know, I think the technology that you have created. And you had mentioned before we got on the air that you're, uh, you and your wife are are business partners. Is that correct? 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I always joke that, uh, so we met in college and uh, we were both engineering majors and uh, I lasted three days and then she <laughs> lasted four years. Uh, but we figured out, it turns out that I prefer math with numbers and she prefers math with letters. So we, that was kind of our, our point of distinction. Uh, but yeah, we're, we've run businesses together as entrepreneurs uh, since 2000. So uh, we're grateful. It's a, it's a recipe that really works for us. Nice. That's awesome. That's awesome. Any, any uh, just quick advice for the people that are out there that do work together? Man, so I, I think making sure you're really willing to change to find a recipe that works for both sides. Um, you know, as I mentioned, I'm, I'm a late night guy, so I'm usually working late and then I'll kind of wrap up work. And it used to be before we kind of came up with our truce, I would get stuff off my chest before I went to bed so I can kind of go to bed peacefully. For example, hey, how was your day? I was great. You know, worked on this, this. Oh, yeah. You know, um, by the way, I'm not sure we can be payroll this week, but it'll be all right. We'll figure something out. And, and then I go to sleep. You know, I'd be asleep in like, you know, seven minutes later. And of course, my my wife and business partner, Tara, she would chew on that all night and it would keep her up and she'd be stressing and kind of basically kind of pissed off about it. And she'd wake up. And so it's whatever, 630 in the morning. We have four kids. So, you know, mornings start pretty busy. And first thing in the morning, she wakes up like, by the way, da -da 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 -da, you know, we're going to do this and we've got about this and we've got to do this. And this person needs to get fired and this person needs to get promoted, whatever. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm just waking up. Give me a break. You're like, let me get some coffee. Let me get moving. You know, <laughs> give me give me some time. Uh, so basically, it's it's just understanding the little triggers. So we just have a truce. Like after eight o'clock, we don't talk shop and we don't talk shop before like eight o'clock in the morning. We've got to have that friend time. Um, otherwise, you know, it just doesn't work. The other thing recently, I've evolved to probably balance things much better in my life. I don't know if it's an age thing, if it's just a, a confidence thing, but I would always feel like I needed to set an example of being kind of the first guy in the office and the last guy out and, and make sure that the, the team knows that I'm working just as hard as they are or harder. And um, now I've really rebalanced my life of saying, look, if I don't prioritize my time to think and have great, you know, free thinking time and time to work out. I'm just not going to deliver at the same levels that I'm capable of. So I don't schedule anything in the office before 10 o'clock. Um, I make sure I have time. Often I'll walk in the mornings with my, with my partner to kind of work through issues or, you know, I have a high intensity workout so I can come to the office and feel really focused and mentally sharp to execute on what I need to execute. But that's part of like coming up with my personal recipe and, and the recipe that really works with my partner. That's awesome. I, I, I love that insight and appreciate you taking the time to share some of that because I think, you know, more and more people, whether they are actually working together in, you know, in the capacity that you and your wife are, or, you know, they're just working from home or, you know, they're, they're remote. I think some of those pieces, uh, especially when you have two entrepreneurs that are running businesses together, um, it, it can be, we can, we can quickly fall into the habit of just talking about work nonstop. And so I love some of the pieces that you outlined there. Uh, I would like I'd like to go back to this idea of of like temperature and sleep because I think for a long time for me like I'm definitely a hot sleeper I know uh, you know a lot of my friends are are hot sleepers and so can you just you know maybe educate me and the, and some of the listeners on on how temperature plays into our ability to get a good night's sleep yeah so I mentioned a little bit earlier about kind of the the temperature impact on insomnia but in in a bigger um, kind of in, in a bigger picture, 
when we think about the circadian rhythm and, and that's part of kind of what we do as as humans the the 24-hour pattern of our lives we've done almost everything terrible we can do in our bed environment to really mess that up so we're sleeping in high thermal density materials we're setting our thermostat to be static temperature throughout the night generally too warm but but even if it's not too warm it's at the same temperature and the heat the the thermally dense materials we're sleeping with mostly the higher foam content mattresses that we're sleeping in, even interspring mattresses have far more urethane foams than they ever used to have to, than they ever used to. Um, that's all happened in the last, most of it in the last 40 years or 30 years, but certainly in the last, say, 50 years. Think about when, you know, when we grew up, depending on how old you are, maybe you had constant temperature throughout the night, maybe you didn't, maybe you slept, depending on where in the country you live, with the windows open, that's all changing and it's not good for our sleep. Our sleep is counting on varied temperature. Our circadian rhythm is counting on the fact that the coldest point of our 24-hour day should be about four o'clock in the morning. And then you start, actually the temperature starts rising even before dawn. And that's kind of how we all evolved. And that's how our, our optimal sleep is, it's depending on that temperature variance to be able to really produce the best quality sleep. So for our, our latest product, Uller, we're actually able to set any temperature anytime throughout the night to kind of get back and, and essentially mimic that circadian rhythm where you can get into a warm bed or room temperature bed, have it automatically cool down to essentially accentuate that uh, falling asleep process, reducing sleep latency, and getting you into deep sleep more quickly and keeping you there longer. So, you know, I can see as much increase in my deep sleep as 45 to 60 minutes of additional deep sleep when I'm sleeping sleeping cold. Um, and, and I can tell the difference when I travel or not. It's it's unbelievable. And it's, I can't wait to get back home. Yeah, I think it's, you know, what you're saying is is powerful. Like I, I think we've had we've had the Uller now for a couple a couple months and uh, you know, we, we also had like, you know, purchased a new bed and done the, done the whole thing, uh, along, along with it. And I mean, I have noticed a huge difference as someone that, I mean, I grew up in Alberta, in Canada. And so half the year it's freezing cold, right? It's like minus 20. So I'm, I'm used to sleeping in a house where it's quite cold. And, and even then I usually ran pretty hot. And so, you know, now being in New York most of the time in the last couple of years, I was just constantly, constantly sleeping hot. And I noticed that when I when I got the Uller, uh, from me and from my from my wife, it was a huge, huge, huge game changer. It was like nights where even if I was running a bit hot, like if I hadn't been disciplined enough and I had eaten a meal, you know, at like nine p.m. or like eating some popcorn too late at night or something like that. I could fall asleep really quickly where normally if I was running hot, it would take me a long time to get to bed, like sometimes an hour and a half or an hour to just fall asleep because I was so hot. And so can you maybe explain a little bit more of like what's happening in the body during that time that's causing us to run so hot and then what the Uller actually does to sort of, uh, you know, within within the bed and within your sleep cycle to, to help regulate some of that body temperature? Yeah, so this has been a really great part of our evolution as a company. And as I mentioned, where the product idea came from, it really came from, you know, a personal need of just sleeping super hot, waking up with sweaty sheets and wet pillows. And it's just gross, right? This is terrible. It's a terrible way to wake up. 
And so we really focused on like, well, let me just sleep more comfortably because I'm sleeping cooler. I'm not waking up with sweaty sheets. Like that's, you know, that's got to be better. It's got to help. Well, you know, it turns out that we were onto something that was a whole lot bigger than comfort. When we had some Olympic athletes and pro athletes starting to give us feedback that, man, not only, you know, people that, that slept well, but they were just looking for some, the next edge that other people, maybe their peers or the, their people they were competing against didn't have. And sleep was that thing. And sleeping cold was that thing. So what these pro athletes or high level athletes were finding is that by sleeping colder, they're able to drop, drop their resting heart rate by seven to 10 beats per minute, just by sleeping colder, which Makes sense because these guys are doing thermal cycling all the time, right? They're in ice baths, they're doing cryotherapy chambers, they're using heating pads. Like they're very, their bodies are, are preset to kind of handle that high thermal, thermal change, the thermal cycling. We just didn't realize how big an effect it would have on sleep. So when you started looking at the circadian rhythm and how your body's changing, you we have this idea that like we we're the same temperature throughout the day. And I and I, I don't want to be a broken record of, of just going back to circadian rhythm, but there's a pretty big variance in our in our body in that physiological kind of temperature profile of each individual person. We're not all the same. We all do do different activities that really impact our thermal um, our thermal temperature and, and our thermal load that we give off to the environment. Um, you know, some of the things we talked about earlier that prevent people from falling asleep. Obviously, it's the it's the alcohol, it's late meals that's increasing your body's thermal activity essentially and as your if we can get people to sleep cooler it's very clear clinical research out there of sleeping cooler you know that the, the, there's the most widely talked about study was sleeping in a room between 60 and 66 degrees it increases you know de, uh, REM sleep and deep sleep and reduces sleep latency that's very clear clearly documented, clearly reported research, where what we're finding now is by actually being able to change the temperature throughout the night, we're able to increase even greater, greater results by being aware of what your body's really looking for in its, in its temperature cyclone. That's incredible, man. I, I mean, it's, it's really interesting to, would you say that this is largely like an evolutionary thing that our bodies have just sort of uh, not not adjusted to, but but evolved with over time. Like we used to sleep in much colder environments, right? Like I think we it's just in the last hundred years that we have very controlled temperature environments that we that we uh, are in often. And so, have you or your organization done any sort of work around the 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 sort of progression of where this has come from and the need for us to sleep at cooler temperatures? Yeah. You know, I think what's fascinating is our body evolved to be what it is from a, a circadian rhythm and how it means for a temperature over tens of thousands of years. And we've done everything we could possibly do in the last hundred years to kind of screw it up. So I would say that we probably haven't changed like evolutionary physiologically much in the last hundred years about what our temperature needs are. But we're, we've all of our focus has been about comfort, temperature comfort. Um, but look at like, you know, whether it's uh, um, uh, Wynn Hoffman or like the Iceman or like other people, they're clearly showing that significant temperature cycling or it's cold exposure. The uncomfortable cold exposure is the healthful part. 
that's where we've gotten into this modern society that, hey, it's all about comfort. It's all about being pleasant all the time. Not really. Think about your best, your toughest workouts, right? I mean, your toughest workouts are the ones that you're really crushing it and they're exhausting, but man, they produce fantastic results. It's not about comfort, man. And that's where, that's where as a society, we've gotten super soft that um, and getting further away from that. And sleep is a fabulous place to have an uncomfortably cold scenario because, because temperatures connects direct to, directly to the hypothalamus. When you're, when you're sleeping, you're able to get with using the chili powder Uller, you can get essentially uncomfortably cold, but your body never knows it unless you're so cold you wake up shivering. That's like the magic zone. We want to get people as cold as possible, just short of them waking up shivering cold. And then we can produce the, the absolute best sleep sleep quality. And and just so, you know, I think just so I'm clear, because I, I mean, I, I love that. <laughs> but what, maybe just go into a little bit more of like, is there something biochemically that's happening within the body? Like you, you said that that sweet spot, that Goldilocks zone, uh, as a lot of scientists like to use, is in that place where you're not, you're not quite shivering, but you're definitely uncomfortably cold. What's happening physiologically or biochemically within the body that that, that is so important, that state is so important? So when you're dropping in temperature, that kind of sleep onset period, that's when your body is naturally releasing melatonin. So mm -hmm. when you look at that kind of insomnia state or that, that extended period of falling to sleep, <clears throat> your body, if it's not changing in temperature, it's not naturally releasing melatonin. Um, when you like, when we look at why sleeping the coldest is best, that's when you're dropping your resting heart rates, your body is able to relax further. You're actually getting a cardio recovery as well. Um, your, your body's not having to work as hard to manage its, you know, its systems. You're, there's all kinds of really magical stuff that's happening at night that when you stay in deep sleep or stay sleepy, you're, for example, you know, the reason there's a, um, a chemical release that basically stops you from wanting to urinate. And when you get up and pee a bunch of times throughout the middle of the night, it's an indication that your body's not sleeping well enough. Your body is already starting to produce, you know, stopping the, 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 the production of uh, the hormone that's, that's preventing you from wanting to get up and use the bathroom. Um, so there's certain little indications you can tell whether or not you're really thermal cycling correctly or, or is optimally. Um, but there's all kinds of different different things like that that are happening throughout the night that, frankly, the research is just – some of the research has been around a while. A lot of the research is really just just now coming out as, as the tools of sleep measurement have, have significantly improved and just become more readily available. Very interesting. And, and you know, you touched on insomnia there. And I think that, you know, some – what what I've noticed is that there seems to be a rise in mild forms of insomnia amongst people as we, you know, are more exposed to things like blue light, you know, later at night, people are sitting and laying in bed, sitting on their phone, scrolling through Facebook or whatever social media platform. And that's having a significant impact on their sleep cycles. Can you just give maybe on that one specifically, it's sort of a two part question. One, what's the impact of blue light on sleep? Why is it so important? And and secondly, uh, what are some of the other uh, components that can add to things like mild insomnia? So, you know, I guess as far as blue light, that's not one that I, I know there's a lot of very good technical answers as far as why blue light 
impacts, you know, certain people more than others or what the exact kind of chemical, um, chemical impact that's, that's created or what it's doing for brain stimulation. Um, and I really can't speak to that as better as, as well as others. So I'm going to, I'm going to kind of defer on that one. Um, but I can tell you the other part of your question. Yeah. So insomnia, about, about 50% of Americans deal, deal with insomnia sometime throughout the year. So this is a, this is a significant issue. So for different people, there's chronic insomnia, and then there's essentially situational uh, insomnia. And, and it's really important to understand the differences between those two, and they're, they're really individual. Um, mild insomnia, the, so a lot of the common solutions that are they're really effective for many people, it's, it could be as simple as box breaths. So just taking a few minutes and just relaxing your breathing, um, getting your stuff, getting your mind off of the things it's probably dwelling on. Maybe you're in a loop about some issue you can't quite solve. Um, but there's some very basic meditation or box breath uh, type activities that are fantastic nice. ways to reduce that kind of uh, high level insomnia. Um, the more clinical insomnia, there's there's um, there are other tools and other other ways to to fix it. But it's being aware of your bedtime. Um, you know, managing that, that temperature effectively, um, so, you know, for people without a chili pad, it could be um, taking a, take, so just different, different solutions, whether it's taking a warm bath, which helps your body drop in temperature, but is recent research has shown that actually you can pop out of that in, in 90 to 120 minutes. If you have insomnia um, where you're waking up in the middle of the night and then you're stuck awake, um, you may, people may find that actually a cold shower is better because they're actually reducing their body temperature. Now that may take them a little bit longer to fall asleep, but once they fall asleep, they're going to stay asleep more more deeply because their their body temperature is essentially dropped. Um, so there's there's all kinds of of different different uh, tips out there that, that really make a difference um, for that that depending on the type of insomnia that that people are dealing with. And I think the you know the other thing that I'd, I'd like to inquire about is like the the restlessness. And I noticed for myself, so I'm I'm like one of those guys that likes to track certain data. You know, that you mentioned the HRV before, heart rate variability, and you know, tracking sleep data of like how much movement is happening at night, and you know, when you're going in and out of deep sleep uh, versus a, a lighter sleep, like an REM sleep versus a lighter sleep. And I noticed for myself, like, it, and and one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show because it was because like the the Uller actually did change my sleep in a huge way, and I, I was really surprised. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie; I was like, okay, this sounds like a great idea, and I love the idea of being cooler at night. Uh, and and that was you know that was really like why we sort of tackled this. But I noticed that my sleep changed a lot, and the and the data on the other side has actually been quite surprising in the sense that before uh before we got it i actually moved around quite a bit at night because i was so hot that i was constantly moving you know putting my legs outside of the sheets and uh and it really impacted my sleep and since then i've noticed that i my sleep data show that i move around significantly less yeah. and so is that like not that that's intentional from your end, but is that also one of the byproducts that you have a, a more restful sleep and a more more sort of peaceful sleep? Yeah, you totally nailed it. You were moving because you weren't sleeping well. Um, and once you started really sleeping well and getting more like sort of proper or more probably identifiable sleep sleep states, 
you just didn't move as much. You were you were busy sleeping instead of being restless because you were too hot. And, you know, I'd love to spend a minute just kind of how the chili pad works because there's, you know, I think some people like they've heard about it, but maybe they don't really understand um, what really, it, you know, and what we just try to keep it as simple as possible. We basically have, we use thermoelectrics um, to heat and cool water. And then we circulate that water in a thin mattress pad. So the only thing on your actual mattress is, is, is a pad that's like three eighths of an inch thick, goes right under your sheets. Nothing electrical in the pad it's, it, itself. It's literally just silicone tubes and water and in a machine washable mattress pad. So like the, the control unit, uh, depending on which one you get, essentially either sits under the bed or next to the bed. And then that's what heats or cools the water to whatever temperature you set. Yeah, and I think the you know we have the the Uller, and so they, you can control it from the app, which I think is really cool. And one of the one of the functions that I loved was that you can set it so that uh, the the machine sort of turns off at a certain time. So like if I want to wake up at let's say six o'clock, I can set it to six o'clock in the morning or six thirty in the morning. I can set it to shut off like thirty minutes before or start to heat up to a certain temperature and. Uh, that's that's pretty interesting. So maybe can you just speak to waking up in the morning and and what the sort of healthiest or, uh, or sort of best way to wake up energized in the morning is? Yeah, we, we really love that warm awake feature. So basically, whether you do it yourself by setting the temperature to incrementally warm up over time, but back to following that circadian rhythm, once you go, some people wake up like feeling super cold, maybe three, four or five o'clock in the morning. And then it's basically the, the system's too cold for them. So we kind of, we thought about that for a while and figured out that's how we worked on the Uller system. So we, you, as you can set the temperature to follow your natural schedule, warm, being able to warm yourself awake, you're, you're essentially naturally becoming aware. You're having your temperature follow that circadian rhythm. So your body naturally wants to wake up as it's warming. Now think of the warming of the earth, whether it was the sun coming up or or, or the warming naturally happening prior to the, the sun coming up. Your body was predis predisposed to wake up as it gets warmer. And for the people that have a hard time kind of getting out of bed, we created this warm awake feature, which essentially increases the temperature of the system roughly one degree a minute until you basically kind of, you know, you might, you, you might get your bed up to like 100 degrees and you're like, Man, now I'm ready to get out of bed. It's feeling kind of hot in here. And it's a remarkable. You're like, all right, let's go. And so rather than, you know, coming up with a, an alarm clock that's beeping at you or, or a watch that's vibrating your wrist, you just wake up. And so you don't need a secondary alarm. It's, it's kind of a, it's, a, it's an amazing sensation. Yeah, it actually has been a, a really cool feature that, uh, I mean, that I've, I've enjoyed and, and same, same with my wife, although she really likes the warmth. And so <laughs> she's like, Oh, this is, this is great first thing in the morning, but she's, she actually gets out of bed quite, quite a bit easier than I do. So yeah, well, listen, man, I want to be respectful of your time and you know, we're, we're almost done here for the day. Uh, and I really appreciate the info and, and the interview and this, you know, I, I can't speak highly enough for the, for the product. I think we've recommended it to like everyone that we've come in contact with. Um, you know, within our friend circle, because it, it really truly is a game changer for sleep. And so, you know, just any last final words for, for the listeners, um, I would actually love for you to maybe just leave them with, with a couple tips on how they can improve their sleep. Obviously, you know, checking out the, the, the Uller and the chili pad is one of them, but outside of that, you know, what some simple things are for people to start to improve their, their sleep patterns. 
Yeah, we really, really appreciate it, Connor. And frankly, what kind of put us on this trajectory was working with a lot of other kind of health and wellness people in the space. And, you know, we're fortunate to call people like Rick Rubin and Dave Osprey, uh, Chris Crusher, and those guys, all investors in the company. And they, they, they did it. They invested in us because they slept on the product it changed their life. And so they really wanted to kind of help, help us grow and help us bring a better product to market. You know, as far as for, for the listeners to get better sleep, it really goes back to something I said earlier on, but don't give up on it. You know, there are solutions out there for everyone that can improve your sleep. If it's as simple as making sure you go to go for a walk, a short walk before you go to bed, um, consider taking naps, building that into your day, just prioritizing sleep. You know, it's amazing how much better and how much healthier you your people feel when they get good sleep. So if it's you know, looking at that caffeine, shutting off your blue light, pick a time, go back to a physical book, read a book a half hour before bed or an hour. It'll change the way your brain works. You know, it's it, this always on electronics is not what's best for us. I think we probably inherently know it, but we kind of do it anyway. Just just making sure we're building that structure in our day to take care of our our brain, to take care of our health. And, and if you're spending all the money on diet and you're spending five hours a week working out. And if you're not prioritizing sleep, it's not going to have the same results. We look at sleep as a multiplier effect. So if you're dieting right and you're eating all the right stuff and you're working hard to cut out the bad stuff and you're spending the right time on fitness, man, if you're not prioritizing sleep, you're just not going to have that same kind of outcome. Um, it's, it's going to, it's going to 2x everything else you're doing. Yeah, I can, I can definitely attest that I've, I've, you know, as I've prioritized sleep over, over the years and specifically, you know, in the last uh, few months, you know, with some of the changes that we've made, I've noticed a, a huge difference in just being able to get out of bed in the morning, having the energy in the morning, be more, being more awake and alert. And, uh, it really has been a, a huge game changer. So, Listen, Todd, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I really appreciate your insight and the, and the work that you're doing. Uh, if people want to learn more, where should they go? Yeah, so check out uh, chilitechnology.com. That's C-H-I-L-I, chilitechnology.com. We have two products, kind of the uh, our, our cornerstone product, the Chili Pad, and then uh, the Uber product we referenced today uh, that we just launched in, in May. So we'd uh, we'd love to have people check it out. You know, we're still a, a small a small family run company. Uh, we really love to take care of our customers. Try it for ninety days. If you don't love it, you know, we'll take it back. Awesome, awesome. Well, I I can't imagine so, too many people not not liking it and wanting to send it back because I'm like obsessed with this thing now. So, um, yeah. Listen, thank you so much for being on the show. For everyone that's out there listening, if you're curious, go and check it out. Uh, because it really has changed the way that I sleep. And it's one of the reasons why I wanted to have Todd on the show and kind of dig deeper into this topic because sleep is incredibly, incredibly important for our physical and mental and emotional health. Um, so Todd, thank you so much for joining me. And for everyone that's out there listening, don't forget to share this episode. If you know someone that's interested in deepening their sleep and working on their uh, mental, emotional health, uh, and they're looking for a leg up, definitely share this episode. And don't forget to leave us a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening on. So until next week, this is Connor Beaton signing off. Mm-hmm.